Hey everyone, welcome back to the Plowshare. That name still hurts, even after the hiatus. I hope you've been well, and thank you for listening in, if you're still here. We all know that you tune in for my rakish good looks, so it's been a while. Requisite crappy guitar rift here. So let's get into it. Within heathenry, although this applies broadly to polytheistic reconstructionism in the West in general, there's an emphasis placed on the concepts of religious validity and authenticity and purity. Discussions of one's praxis and beliefs often run into people demanding receipts, as it were, or otherwise justification and evidence which can convince them that the individual isn't just making things up. Justification of practice, justification of their views, Justification of theory or of UPG, all of these are expected to be backed by something convincing. Just as these people expect such things, they also expect their interlocutors to be able to rattle off historic and cited factoid after factoid in order to reach some arbitrary level of validity. Of course, that validity is never good enough for the criticism. Reconstructionism has problems with intellectual elitisms and appeals to the weight of tradition and history. For all of its value to polytheistic revival, there's an implicit feeling that it is only as good as the evidence which supports the reconstruction. Despite an innate interpretive necessity, there's a reticence to push beyond the historic and blaze new trails of practice and modes of thought. Often this leads to people spinning their wheels and being bogged down in the minutia of historicity. Is this the case all over? No, not really. I'm not saying that I'm some kind of singular special case either. And this isn't to say that people all over the polytheistic revivals aren't doing things, aren't increasingly developing things, aren't spreading new ideas around. But I think the overall atmosphere of Western polytheism, at least on the numerous modern discussion platforms, tends towards this sense of orthodox rigidity. The people who believe in the unerring concreteness of history appear to outnumber the people who want to do more with less. At least, that's how it appears to me. I think doubt plays an enormous part in the seeking of this justification, from two distinct sources. I think it's a hang-up from the culture which many Westerners are reared in, and I think it's due to the culture of heathenry itself as it's developed in the last 40 or so years. I know I bang on about the overculture a ton both here and in my blog, but I in this case, I think it's a residual feeling of inadequacy of simply believing. I think it's natural to have doubts, especially if one has not had a discernible hierophanic experience, and I should know about this. But societal condition, the in-depth monotheistic indoctrination that purports a singular, all-encompassing, capital T, truth, pounds this continued doubt specifically with relation to polytheistic belief. We have literal millennia of theology and social consideration promoting a singular monolith, an indisputable singular answer. For theists, it's typically a singular god. For atheists, it is materialist scientism, 
and both of these can levy disproportionate weight on budding and even seasoned polytheists. We are trying to claw back worldviews and theological truths that have been smothered for the past 2,000 years, relegated to the confines of polemical monotheistic punchlines. And not only do Western polytheists feel this externally imposed burden, Eastern polytheists do too. Paige Dubois' book, A Million and One Gods, goes into the effect that American culture has on the Hindu diaspora and recounts an American Hindu organization's attempts to make their religious presentation more palatable to Americans at large by downplaying historic polytheistic inclinations in favor of a more comprehensive conception of God in order to affect a model minority image of themselves. Prima Curian, in a place at the multicultural table, says, Material referring to the plurality of deities, beliefs, and forms of worship in Hinduism was redacted, and the texts were revised to portray Hinduism as a monotheistic religion based on Vedic texts. And later, she says, Pressures to assimilate to Western culture in both the colonial and immigrant contexts leads Hindu leaders to construct an organized, monotheistic, textually and historically based Hinduism that emulates Abrahamic religions they criticize. I'm in no way claiming that the experiences of Western polytheists approach the experiences of colonized indigenous peoples and their traditions. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is this. If a religious group dating back thousands of years is pressured to modify the appearance of their religion due to an enforced or relocated overculture, can we really blame modern Western polytheists for having doubts about the presentation of their own belief? This in addition to how Western polytheists lack centuries of continuous and well-documented tradition to call upon, and the frequency with which people play zero-sum games over historicity, the regarding of history as the sole legitimate and unassailable element of a religion does make some sense. The public sphere is dominated by monotheistic inclinations and views, forming its debates and perceptions. This public sphere, which is taken for granted as a modern necessity, is absolutely religiously encoded, absolutely affirming a singular religious perspective which many people have been conditioned to treat as secular. We are viewed as polytheists as primitive, as backwards, as ignorant, as superstitious, as idolaters, all of these pejoratives thrown at us by the modern West, and so many of us have internalized it and feel inadequate due to it. This inadequacy of simple belief as justification enough appears to necessitate a reliance on a justification through science. That is, the empirical disciplines of the historical sciences. Modern practitioners can point to history and say, I am doing this like they did, hoping that historical validation sufficiently shields against both the pressure in society and an unfortunate tendency in heathenry to push accusations of making stuff up, of doing it wrong, or of associating new practices with other religions like Wicca, like Druidism, or even the New Age. There's a type of combination of an appeal to tradition and an appeal to authority where the history is regarded as paramount. It gets to the point where so many arguments in heathenry are due to the historic underpinnings of the facts and the understandings therein where people can bask in their radiant, superior intellect at the expense of people who may be non-specialists in that matter, instead of heathenry as a religious exercise. In this sense, despite its importance to what we do as Reconstructionist polytheists, academia can be far more of a hindrance than it is a help, rudely entrapping people with frivolous historical arguments. 
say about the importance of horned helmets in a goalpost moving conversation in order to highlight their own expertise on the matter or in order to bolster their own ego and achieve notoriety with what amounts to fledging religious communities. In this environment, the historic fact reigns supreme, even though so many of our religious identities are woefully under-attested and often twisted anachronistically through an alien lens. How can it not? What, with being beset by monotheists and atheists, both are really the same thing, denigrating our gods as mere make-believe characters from parochial fables, the allure of having some kind of solid foundation and the cultural baggage of having an expectation of a fully fleshed out religious system with rehearsed apologia that read like the Westminster Shorter Catechism, we're forced into archetypal paradigms inspired by what amounts to a very small misreading of history. That there were clearly delineated pantheons of deities, as in the case of the Olympians, which set the standard through mythologists' writings, the concept of God of X thing because it was convenient for monotheists to categorize them and ignore the vagaries of manifestations of the cults and beliefs, the concepts of our gods as being one-sided and one-dimensional. As Robert Parker said about polytheism in Athens, it is indescribable, quote, gods overflowed like clothes from an overfilled drawer, which no one felt obligated to tidy. Modern polytheists are forced into a limited orthodox form of thought. Proto-Indo-European linguistics, itself a tool and not nearly anything set in stone nor representative of any definable early collection of gods, the historically untenable Dumazilian tripartite hypothesis, the aforementioned concept of a pantheon, Christian chauvinist academia, and so many other factors and forces conspired to entrap a pluralistic, mutable, and vibrant religious expression with qualities which were external to it. Our theologies are effectively being dictated to us by people who exist oppositionally to us, applying a linear, reductivistic, and biological approach to our religious identities. And we, collectively, constantly, internalize it and regurgitate it, and then pat ourselves on the back at being very smart when we argue about it. History provides a veneer of purity and validation to practice and belief. While many Reconstructionists will readily admit they are not trying to replicate their chosen religion as it exactly existed in history, the underlying implication is that the more factual support for it, the better it is. After all, we can't be LARPers, since we have all this knowledge. And purity equals authenticity and originality. Well, no. No, it doesn't. Charles Stewart and Rosalind Shaw said it better than I could. Authenticity or originality do not necessarily depend on purity. They are claimable as uniqueness, and both pure and mixed traditions can be unique. What makes them authentic and valuable as this is a separate issue, a discursive matter involving power, rhetoric, and persuasion. Historic weight in providing receipts for belief and practice are treated as persuasive material for the purpose of viewing how authentic these practices and beliefs are. But authenticity is conferred by lived, subjective experiences. We are told not to mix deities or rigid assortments of pantheons for reasons, I suppose, despite their overall anachronism. We are told that syncretism is bad, despite the very nature of culture and life being syncretic. Leveraging purity is intellectual religious elitism.
this is a common nuisance in religious studies, and it's one that Western polytheists seem to be all too eager to embrace. I am no less a heathen for incorporating Roman and Gallic gods in my religious expression than someone who strictly engages in Norse polytheism because my religion is heathenry and its worldview informs my own, because pluralism, because polytheism. This culture of discussion online and in person, it encourages people to believe that they need to know everything possible about divinity and the practice in question before they take the plunge, as it were, and that only historically attested views are authentic and pure. We do not need to know everything historically possible about a practice, or even a god. Heathenry's phobia of making up stuff and its non-Wiccan anti-eclectic baggage rears its head in so many ways regarding this. Historicity should not be a concern. Inspiration in the background? Yes. A concern? Not as it is presented. A name on a single epigraphic remnant is enough to begin cultic practice, even if there's no other attested. We can't know everything possible about every divinity, every practice, every nuance of religion. It's going to be impossible. Hobbling ourselves so concretely to history only ends in stagnation and a constant reiteration of basic principles of what we do know. It leads to reductionism, where we're encouraged through the paucity of information to associate etymology with existence, as if all the people with the names of Jim, James, and Jimmy are the same person. It leads to an elitist hierarchy, wherein the people who claim knowledge lord it over others. It leads to constantly checking and rechecking what we're doing, which in turn gives rise to a crippling lack of surety in and enthusiasm for one's gods and sincerely held beliefs. I think a lot of Westerners who want to be or feel themselves to be polytheistic are afraid. Beyond the constant challenges and intellectual attacks from within heathenry for the past few decades, from beyond the fear of being conflated with the eclectic practices of many Wiccans, I believe there are deeper fears at work here. I think that people are afraid because without the proof of history, they're afraid that the deity they're worshipping isn't really a deity in the historic sense of the word at all. It's ironic. I might add, because ancient polytheists wouldn't have cared at all. Because the gods are imminent and true, and it just wouldn't have mattered. Not because these people were primitive, ignorant, or some other Western Christian chauvinist pejorative, but because theirs was a lived tradition, a seamless integration with their day-to-day. Even the so-called self-professed allies within contemporary paganism drive home these pejorative views. Every time an Ethiopagan lets their faux ally mask slip or a dualist insists that all gods are one god and all goddesses are one goddess, it reinforces this aberrance of our worldview. I think it can even lead to impurity of mind, which can lead to further issues down the line. And this is one of the hurdles that modern Western polytheists need to strive to overcome. Not treating their religion as a separate entity or an artifact which requires a dissertation to justify but a seamless interaction and blending within one's life as a lived and authentic experience. This is my opinion, having come to this after years of practice and thought, both as a practitioner of heathenry and as someone who is trained in the historic and social sciences. This is, however, where I want to add a disclaimer, lest people take my words as meaning chaos and free reign. I want to stress that while there are a lot of fictitious claims out in the pagan sphere, and while religious identity is wholly mutable, there are still parameters and rules which, 
if one were to press too far against them, would no longer depict their praxis. In heathenry, we can broadly take worldview as a definable characteristic with all that it cosmologically entails. We broadly know through comparative studies and the attributes of deities and their cults. These are some of those things that can identify heathen from, say, a Nordic Wiccan or an occultist or someone simply pushing falsehoods for their own ends. I would like to see a point in time where, when we as polytheists, especially as heathens, can as a whole collectively move beyond the mire of arguing historic fact and embrace the multifaceted experience of actual polytheistic theology and the discussions which would arise from it and not splinter off into small niche echo chambers because common spaces are so full of people that are banging on about historic factoids, which ultimately have little bearing on how modern practitioners operate. <laughs> I can dream, right? Uh, I think I'll end this here and uh, bring about some of the boring stuff. So thank you for listening. I'm going to try to push out more episodes and not have another long hiatus. My deepest apologies for that, <clears throat> truly. And the same goes for vlogging. I'm going to be following up this podcast episode with something tangentially related at some point in the near future. I'm about 70% done as of the publication of this episode. If you find yourself enjoying what I do uh, here or on my blog or like me posting on various social medias, mostly Reddit and Twitter these days, and you feel like you want to support me, I have a Ko-fi account set up. Uh, tips are appreciated. I don't expect them. I don't want to beg for them. But if you simply like listening to me or like reading my words, that's support enough. I appreciate it. There's a button on my blog, or you can navigate to the page there at ko-fi.com backslash of accent plow. So anyway, uh, I'm going to sign off for now, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you think. Yell at me if you need. Um, I probably won't respond if you do, but I'll read it, maybe. Uh, drop a line, let me know your thoughts, and I look forward to regaling you guys next time. Have a good one. <laughs>